we are going to do something slightly different today to what we normally do um, on a Sunday. So normally, if you've been with us any length of time, you'll know that, that our kind of usual habit is that we will open a passage of Scripture together and we'll just walk through it verse by verse and say, God, what does your word say to us? What do you want to speak to us out of this passage uh, today? But we're going to do something um, very slightly different today. So we are going to open the Bible together. Don't panic. Um, but we're going we're gonna to take it slightly differently. Uh, so I, I, I guess I just want to acknowledge the change of season we're in. Uh, and to take some time together to, to kind of pause and, and take stock and to, to consider again or remind ourselves and remind each other why we're here. And, and at a very high level, why are we here? That could sound like a very kind of philosophical question, couldn't it? And I think there's a, a superb answer to that, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question one, question is, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why are we here? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Like our, our reason for being, our reason to exist as people is to bring glory to our creator. Uh, but not just that, to enjoy him forever, to delight in him, to, to be in relationship with him. Uh, and that's a very good thing. And so in, in some senses... We could answer the question that way, at an individual level, at a corporate level, at a global level, for all of humanity. Why are we here? That's it. But I, I want us to answer the question then at a local church level, Foundation Church. And you'll see that the answer is not too dissimilar, but I hope we'll kind of get some rationale behind that as we open the Bible and see as we go. So why do we need to do this? Well, we're at the start of a new term. We're just really finally now, although who knows what's going to happen in the coming months, kind of coming out of COVID restrictions and we'll see what happens. But it's, it's... And we've got some big things as a church community on the horizon. So we're preparing to move into the extension at Oakwood. So we've talked about that a bit over the last few months. We had a gift day for it and you guys gave incredibly generously for the fit out costs of that. We're getting ready to move in. We hoped we'd be in by now, uh, but as building projects invariably seem to go, it's been delayed a bit. Uh, we are very much hoping that we're going to be in by the end of October. So chairs have been purchased, all the sound equipment's bought, most of the building work's done. There's still some tidying up to do, isn't there, Mark? Some tidying up, a bit of tidying up, but we're getting there. Um, but that's a big step for us as a church as we move into the climbing centre and we make use of that new space, but also talk about how we can more meaningfully engage the community there. It's a big thing. We're going to keep you up to date on how that goes and if there are any more delays, but I'm, I am really hoping end of October. We're also beginning to talk about launching some more ministries as a church, things that we had begun to talk about before COVID and then have just been kind of delayed. So we're starting conversations about what we might do to serve youth. We're beginning conversation about some kind of toddler group and what we might be able to do there to serve not just the, the children that are part of Foundation Church, but others in the wider community as well. And we're also taking steps towards uh, beginning to establish an eldership team, which is something, again, we've talked about over the last months. Uh, and over the summer, 
we said that we were going to gather a, a group of guys as potential elders, um, and that the summer couple of months were just going to be like a, a toe in the water for them to find out a bit more, kind of what does it mean to be an elder, what's this all about, uh, and for us to get to know one another a little better. And we said, back in July, when we said that we were going to do that, we said, in September, we'll let you know who they are. Um, we didn't want to do that straight up because we wanted to give guys that summer period to actually assess without the pressure or expectation of the church community knowing that they were thinking it through. We wanted to just give them space to make the decision and think, is this something I'm called to? Is this something I want to pursue? Uh, and so we've been through that process and, and not everyone who we initially invited to be part of that group is, is going to continue. Uh, but I am pleased to be able to say that Will and James Shires, they're all sat over here, <laughs> and David Chang uh, and then David Main and myself are going to begin a process now over the next 12 months of working through some training material, of beginning to gather as uh, a leadership team for this church, and we're going to see how God leads us in that. Now, this doesn't mean that these guys are elders, okay? So elders are received, not imposed. We've already talked about that. So I'm not saying these men are elders. That's it. Crack on. Um, this is a process. Nor does it necessarily mean that in 12 months' time they're going to be put before the church as elders. But we're saying at this point we're going to start this journey together. And we're going to be praying through that. We're going to be asking you to feed back on them, what you observe in their lives. Do they live in a way that's consistent with the, the character descriptions we find in Scripture for eldership? And, and if not, we want to know. Um, not like kind of telling tales on them, but because we want men who are qualified for this role. And our hope very much, though, is that over the next 12 months, God will make it clear to them and clear to ours and clear to you as a church community who we should be appointing as elders for this church for the years ahead. So we've got some big things going on. We've got a new venue, we're establishing a leadership team, we've got new ministries we're talking about, and all of that is set on the background of emerging from one of the weirdest times in human history with COVID. And as we kind of coming out of that, in many ways, we're, we're trying to find each other again. Having had 18 months, almost two years of incredible disruption, our time together as Foundation Church has largely, predominantly been spent walking through COVID, trying to work out live streams and Zoom calls and how we build community in the midst of a pandemic. You know, we spent time together some of you will remember, preparing to launch as a church, and we gathered an initial group of people. But many of you weren't part of that. Some of you were. And then we had our public launch. We said, yes, we're going to go for it. And we had a few things like youth and toddlers and developing a leadership team that we were talking about at that point in time. And then seven weeks after launch, we're in lockdown. Very frustrating. <laughs> Many of our plans or hopes were put on hold, some out of necessity, 
you can't start a toddler group when you're not allowed to see anyone. That's kind of difficult. Um, and, and some, in fairness, actually out of hesitancy on my part, out of hesitancy of, of not wanting to press go in the middle of such uncertain times. And consequently, most of our existence as Foundation Church has been spent in this kind of weird holding pattern where we kind of not quite sure what's going on, whether we're coming or going, like what are we doing, what's happening. That's really not healthy <laughs> for any community. It's not healthy. And we can't allow ourselves to remain stuck there. And that's part of what I want to address today, is that I don't want us to get stuck in that place. And as we come out of COVID, the other thing going on is that naturally many people are questioning and reassessing lots of areas of their lives. It's giving people time to think. It's giving people time to reflect. And it's also giving time for frustrations to grow. A lot's changed in the last 18 months for people personally. A lot's changed in society in the last 18 months. And as a result, many people are considering again and questioning, what am I giving my time to and why? You know, people have changed jobs, quit careers, gone self-employed, all kinds of things, big decisions in the last 18 months as they've considered, like, do I still want to be doing what I was doing before? Do I want to do something different? And, and all of that actually applies to us here too. And it's not unique to us as a relatively new church plant. I've spoken to church leaders recently, um, who, some of whom have lost a third of their congregation over the course of COVID, as people have considered, like, what am I giving myself to? Where am I committing and why? And some for good reasons and some for not such good reasons have decided to, to move, either to another church or to stop attending altogether. And so, at the start of this term, as many of us are kind of trying to work out, what am I giving myself to? Why am I investing in these things? Is this where I want to invest my time and energy and resource? And then as a church community, where we're looking at some big steps forward, it's vital that we take a moment to take stock and to look each other in the eye and just consider, why are we here? <laughs> why are we doing this? What's this all about? And it's imperative that we have a satisfactory answer to that question. Because actually building meaningful community where we're involved in each other's lives instead of just consuming a Sunday service from a distance isn't comfortable or easy. Moving from a small church plant with limited ministries and limited resources and, and a kind of limited structure to a more established community with a formal leadership team in place is going to be a challenge. Beginning to add more ministries like toddlers and youth and things like that and finding leaders for those things. Building teams to serve those things is going to require patience and generosity and humility and sacrifice. Continuing to ask 
ourselves and ask one another, how can we reach beyond ourselves to share the love of God with those around us? It's going to stretch us. And if we don't have a clear sense of shared call, if we don't have a clear reason that underpins what we're doing, then I want to propose that we won't make it. (laughs) We won't last. It's as simple as that. And so we've got to ask, what are we doing here? Why does Foundation Church exist? What are we giving our time and energy to? And in order to answer that question... I want us to start right at the very beginning. Not the beginning of Foundation Church, but the beginning beginning in Genesis. And so I want us to read just a couple of verses from Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28. We read this about the beginning of humanity. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amongst the very first things that God commissioned mankind to do as he created them was to be fruitful and multiply. God created us as his image bearers. And then the first thing he instructed humans to do as his image bearers was to multiply, was to fill the earth with more image bearers, with more who would reflect his glory to creation. We were created in the image of God with a purpose, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth with worshippers of God, with image bearers of God who would reflect his glory and enjoy relationship with him and with one another. That's how God's design began. Then Genesis 3 happened and mankind rebelled against God. They said, no, 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 no. (laughs) We, We don't want to live for your glory. We want to live for our glory We don't want to be made in the image of God. We want to be God. They wanted life without him. And from that point on, God's image was distorted in people. People were born with a a sin default, as it were. A a default position of rebellion against God. a, A desire actually at heart to be God to be worshipped, to have things how we want them, to be at the centre, to have worship and honour for ourselves rather than for him. But God didn't give up on us. We, we traced through the story as God continued to be faithful to people. And we read in Genesis 22, God comes to a man named Abraham. And makes a covenant, a promise, a a lasting, enduring promise with Abraham. And as part of that, he speaks to Abraham, we find in Genesis 22, 18, and he says to him, in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed 
because you've obeyed my voice. He makes this promise with Abraham and he says, Abraham, through your offspring or through your seed, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And in Galatians 3, chapter 16 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul picks up what God said to Abraham in Genesis 22. And he says this. He applies it to Jesus. He says that the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say unto seeds or unto offspring, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person who is Christ, referring to one, your offspring, who is Christ. This promise was that through Jesus, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. How? And how does that connect to Genesis 1, filling the earth with image bearers? Well, Jesus came to redeem us, to restore God's image in us, that which was broken and distorted and marred at the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus came to put right so that our initial God-given purpose of filling the earth with image bearers, of worshippers, of those who would give glory to God, could continue. Not in a broken and distorted sense, but a full and complete sense. Jesus came to completely undo the effects of the fall in our lives. To give us a new life in him. A new heart to completely restore his image in us. And then what does Jesus do with his disciples? With those in whom he's fully restored the image of God, we read in Matthew 28. Jesus sends his disciples out and he says this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission, these words that we're familiar with, is in so many ways a a repetition of God's original design for humanity. This new humanity, those who have found forgiveness and newness of life in Jesus, those who have been restored, those who bear the image of God, a new creation in Christ Jesus, are sent out to fill the earth. Just as God's command to Adam and Eve in the garden to fill the earth with image bearers, the commission is the same for those in Christ to go and be fruitful, to make disciples. See, our purpose as Christians isn't just to kind of have a nice cozy huddle together on a Sunday. Our purpose as Christians isn't just to to kind of delight in our salvation for ourselves. If that's where we stop, we stop short of God's purpose for us. Our, Our purpose as Christians is is to go. And to make disciples, to go, as it were, beyond the garden and to fill the earth with worshippers, 
with image bearers, to have spiritual sons and daughters. This is the reason we started Foundation Church. It's the reason the church global exists, but it's the reason we started Foundation Church. It's the all-time, all-places mission of the church, but it, it gets worked out in local church congregations. It's primarily in the context of the local church that people get discipled, that people are baptized, that people are taught to obey the teachings of Jesus. These things that Christ gave us in the Great Commission to do are primarily outworked in the context of the local church. When we lose sight of that, we end up majoring on other things and falling out about stuff that doesn't really matter. And tragically, that happens too often in the church. We forget what we're here for. We forget what this is all about. And we start bickering over things that don't really count, that aren't of eternal consequence. There are thousands upon thousands of people within just a few short miles of this place. And more coming. I don't know if you know, but the patch of land immediately over the road here is about to have houses built on it. In fact, starting there and going all the way across to Tesco on Finch Hampstead Road, there's going to be 2,000 new houses built. There's planning application in to build houses on a piece of land that's just behind here for over 100 new homes. There are thousands and thousands of people and more coming who do not know Jesus, in whom the image is distorted and broken as a result of the fall and in to whom Jesus wants to bring restoration and wholeness and fullness of life. And how's he going to do it? It's not a trick question. It's through us. Through his people. That's our call. That's our purpose. It's our commission. It's why we're here. We mustn't ever, ever lose sight of it. There's a climbing center just over there. Lots of you can see it through the window. We're about to move into the extension of it in a few weeks' time. Hundreds, hundreds of people every single day walk through the doors of that building who don't yet know Jesus. Without, the, without question, the most effective way that we can help them to find hope and life and freedom is to establish a church community whose heartbeat is the mission of God. To establish a community of people who understand that their primary purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever and in the overflow of that, to call others to do the same. To make disciples. To be fruitful and multiply. To fill the earth with image bearers. That's why we started Foundation Church. And we need to remember it. We need to remind ourselves of it. We need to never lose sight of it. Because the moment we lose sight of it, we're done for. We're just like a cozy group of nice people, sometimes even not so nice people. Like, 
we're a cozy group of mostly trying to be nice people. <laughs> we've got to remember. And that's why we've got these. <laughs> to remind us. Knowing Jesus, growing like Jesus, going with Jesus, all for the glory of God. These pursuits that we've put in front of ourselves as a church community and said, this is... These are the things that we want to have as our, as our plumb line, as our benchmark in all that we do. If we're doing something and it's not helping us to, to live these things out, then we want to jettison it. It's wasting our time. Because these three statements, they're not just kind of nice, pithy, catchy statements. What are they about? It's the Great Commission. Okay? They're there to remind us of why we're here, to call us back to it. They're intended to keep us focused on living out the Great Commission as a church community, to remind us of our great delight in knowing Jesus. How often do you celebrate the privilege and delight and joy it is that we get to know our Saviour, the one who commanded this world into being, the one who flung stars into space, invites us to know him. We don't just come together to know about him. We don't just open his word to kind of intellectually learn about him. We come that we might know him more. to delight in his goodness. And as those who know him, we're called to discipleship. To grow like him, to grow in his likeness. That's when we spend time with Jesus. When we spend time in worshipping him, what happens? We grow more like him. You become like what you worship. That's an observable reality in life. Those who worship Jesus, those who know him and delight in him, who daily live the joy of their salvation, become more like him. As they worship him, but also as his spirit is alive at work in us. Refining us, conforming us more into his likeness. And then finally, for those who are going with Jesus, we recognize that we're not just to form a, a nice cozy huddle, but we're those who are to go. The Great Commission ringing in our ears. The kindness of God the forefront of our hearts and minds that we go to make a difference and to make disciples. We go. And all of those things, all that we do is, is underpinned and driven by an overarching statement that it's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. That people would see his greatness and his beauty. That people would 
see him for who he is and glorify him, that people would be captivated by his kindness and beauty as they see it reflected by his people, as they encounter the people of God, they would come to worship God himself. His goodness would be undeniable and that they would join us in worshipping him as the one, the only one who's truly worthy. So if we're aiming for or motivated by the glorification of anyone or anything else, then we've missed the point. If If you think that serving church in some way is going to kind of improve your name. I don't know why you'd think that, but I don't know. Some people do. (laughs) Give you some kind of status or reputation. Then you've missed the point. It's about his glory. Nothing and no one can compare to him. The one who created and sustains all things, who provides for all he's made, the eternal king of heaven, our Lord and Savior, perfect, holy God, who out of love stepped into our suffering, who out of love bore on himself the weight of our sin at the cross, and extends forgiveness, welcomes us in, calls us his own. He's worthy. He's worthy. See, I want to suggest that the more we see of God, the more we understand of his beauty and his glory, the more we understand of his worth, of our worship, the more we understand of his grace and his kindness in our lives, the more we understand the depth of our sin and yet the joy of our sins forgiven, the more we will be those who long to know him more, to grow more like him and to go with him for his glory, for his fame and his renown. And when we find ourselves indifferent to the mission of God. The problem is generally that we've grown indifferent to God himself, that we've lost the wonder of our salvation, that we've ceased marveling at the glory of the creator of all things, that we've come to a place of minimizing our sin and cheapening his grace. But when we allow him again to fill our vision, when we allow him again to captivate our hearts, when we allow again the depths of what he has done for us at the cross to soak in, to dawn on us, we'll be those who go for his glory. A man called Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who um, was a prolific preacher some hundred or so years ago, said, he said this. He said, I refuse to believe 
that a man has tasted of the honey of the gospel if he's content to eat it to himself. Where he's kind of capturing in that kind of vivid imagery is that those who have tasted of the goodness of Jesus, those who know the joy of their sins forgiven, will, will not be able to contain their delight, but will be propelled out to share with others. We like sharing good news as people. It's instinctive. We like telling people about things that are impressive and praiseworthy. It's in, instinctive. When you see something that is impressive, you naturally want to tell other people about it. Yeah? Maybe you're one of the climbers amongst us, and the first time you, like, maybe you heard the news that Tommy Caldwell had finally topped out on the Dawn Wall. You're like, that's insane. It's totally unclimbable. How? You want to tell people, you want to talk about it. Maybe parents amongst us, your child accomplishes something great, and you just naturally, you want to tell. You want to boast on their behalf, almost. When we see God for who he is, Our instinctive reaction is to tell people to share of his goodness with those around us. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of our praise, of our devotion, of our adoration. He's worthy of every moment, every breath, every ounce of energy. He's worthy. And so as we press on together, as we lean in and seek to establish a, a meaningful community here, as we bear each other's burdens, as we work through our differences and celebrate our unity in Christ, as we step up to serve and give in the days ahead, as we step out and invite others to come and see, we do it out of love. Because he first loved us. We do it because he's worthy. And we do it all for the glory of God. That's why we're here. Let's not forget it, hey? Let's stand together. We're going to come. Rich and Sophie are going to lead us in another song of worship before we take communion. I want to pray for us. Come on, guys. Oh, Lord, we are sorry for the times that we belittle you and all that you've done. Lord, we're sorry for the times that actually we, we, we try and climb back on the throne of our own lives and hearts. We come to you again now and we say, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. We come to you again and we say, Creator, you're worthy of our worship just simply for who you are. You're, you're worthy of praise. And we also come to you and we say, Saviour, Lord, you, who came, who, who stepped out of glory and into our mess, who came and, and bore the weight of our sin, who, who lived the perfect life that we couldn't possibly hope to live, who, who suffered and died in our place so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be welcomed in. We say, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of our worship. We're so grateful. Let us never lose the wonder. Let us never lose the wonder of 
salvation. Let us never lose the wonder of your absolute splendor and majesty. Lord, you have no rival, no equal. You are unmatched, unparalleled in all that you are, in your love and mercy and kindness and beauty. Captivate us again. Captivate us again to such an extent that we just overflow. Captivate us again to such an extent that we can't still our tongues from telling people of your goodness. Captivate us to such an extent that we're propelled out to fulfill that great commission. To fill the earth with image bearers. To invite others to come and worship you for you are worthy.